comes. Here. Because it's a six percent slope, fifty feet. So right now it will gather speed. Good weight. A two footer. Oh my goodness! All the way! Oh, can you believe that? Welcome back, episode six of Walk It In. It's our preview of the Pebble Beach Pro Am, our recap of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Xander Shoffley didn't come through for the pod, but we were feeling some type of way this week with Jordan Spieth, weren't we? We're back for episode six and Jordan Spieth, the debate rages if, if he's back or not. But T4 at Waste Management was a good way to bring back feelings that we've been missing for the better part of three years. He is one of only a handful of golfers that can make golf fans feel the way they felt this weekend. His Saturday round was vintage Spieth, made you believe again that he might be back. He's not dead yet. And it made for an awesome weekend of golf between Spieth playing the way he was, Xander up there, Kepka coming out of nowhere, other top players in contention like Scotty Scheffler. It was an awesome tournament, honestly. It was. And one of our good buddies was texting us and we were all kind of saying, God, this leaderboard sucks on Friday. And then the way it closed the weekend with guys making moves and Spieth having an absurd day on Saturday made for a awesome leaderboard and a really fun tournament that Brooks Brooks went out and got compared to how a few other guys played. Mark, I'm, I'm very sorry for your eight and a half to one ticket on Xander because Xander, I mean, Brooks got it, right? But Xander was just bad. He was just bad in the final round. And we'll talk about it later in the pod, but it's there's a trend, obviously, uh, at least in my mind, starting to unfold with Xander that he Ooh. is the opposite of Brooks Kepka. Uh, um, say more. Say more. Everyone knows Brooks Kepka's a closer. He is the alpha dog out there most weeks. And if he wants a tournament, he's going to go get it. And you can say the exact opposite for Xander Shoffley. We'll talk about it later, but um, I don't think he's gone full fee now, but Ooh, he's, starting, he's starting to enter the conversation. Well, the thing about those, so I'm not going to dabble in the Xander Finau thing because I'm not, I'm not quite there, but I think the best sort of way to summarize what Brooks did and what Xander didn't do Brooks goes out, chips in for Eagle on 17 to, to, to kind of take the tournament. I mean, Xander still had a shot. He had birdie holes ahead of him. But then Xander comes out and like from the shot tracer really captured just how terrible that drive was on 17 on a hole that he had to have. That thing didn't stand a chance. It wasn't a leaker. That was just a duck hook into the water. It, it was so bad with so much on the line and honestly Xander didn't play that poorly and to bring it back again to the the Finau Xander debate or call it what you will but they don't ever play horrendously in the third and fourth rounds but they don't do anything special either to go and take the tournament like a Brooks Kepka uh, does and 
like you saw Jordan Spieth is capable of doing uh, and has done in the past. So, you know, like you said, Xander was playing fine. He had just birdied 15 and 16 coming off the bogey on 14, I believe it was. And then the tee shot on 17 happens and you're like, man, this is dead in the water. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was a bummer, especially considering the fact that you had Xander on the ticket and this is another week. I feel like I'm just, I'm just a dog to you, man. Like this of the co-hosts here, I'm the underdog every week because Joaquin Neiman opening the season up, then you've got Xander in the mix. I know you had a guy the other week who was also in the mix that I'm forgetting about right now, but Mark Leishman. Yeah, Leishman. Jeez, dude. I really got to figure it out because I did not have a good week this week. I did I'm not. getting I'm getting close and obviously my reads are good and I'm having to suffer uh, brutal defeats on yes. Sundays, it seems, each and every week. But that's the way gambling goes sometimes. But I do feel confident in my reads. We've had contenders on Sundays, some yes. with favorites of the tournament like Xander at eight and a half to one. And sometimes with a Leishman or a Joaquin Neiman, you know, who are, are longer shots, but um, nothing has come through yet. So, you know, it's a, a loud out in the box score to yes. bring in a, an analogy. Um, hopefully we can convert some of those into home runs. I like that. I like that. Just get the launch angle different and that ball's out of the park, right? That's really all we're looking for. Yeah. You know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some when you gamble. Obviously everyone knows that we aren't professional gamblers. We're just, you know, we are hack golfers who love to talk (laughs) and we love to give our picks and recreationally play. Um, But uh, the defeats that I've had in the early weeks here of 2021 are pretty brutal for me. Yeah. And I was looking at the card too. And I, I said this to you on Sunday, the number of picks that we have this week that were right there in terms of where we had them in placement. I mean, Homa kind of fell apart on Sunday. We, I had him for a top 20. Brennan Steele just crushed me because it was there for the taking for him to place on Sunday. I'm very disappointed in the Cameron champ. And Again, that was the system play last week for a guy who gained off the tee and approach in the previous tournament, but had to be cut, right? Because not all cuts are the same. And Champ goes out, and I'm watching him on on Thursday in the first half of Friday thinking, okay, we're going to add Champ to this system play nameplate. And then he just goes off the deep end on his last, I think, six holes. I think he was, no, seven holes. I think he was five over or something. He went from four under to one over, and I was just like, God, Cameron Champ, of course you do this. And then I had to watch the other person I named. And again, I, I what's the point of bringing him up if I'm not going to actually bet him? But Brooks Kepka, he was part of that mix. He he fit the system. I had him on the sheet. I mentioned his name and I didn't back him. I was too scared. I know. Uh, shout out to my buddy, uh, Brian, back home. Uh, he played Kepka and won big on him. He said simply, he's too good. And he's won there before to be that long odds. Yeah. So, you know, it, basically, you're we're kicking ourselves for not taking a shot at somebody that good at you know fifty to one plus. Um, it is what it is. I hate to say I told you so about Cameron Champ though. Oh God, yeah, I know you did. And and I remember the first time you picked Cameron Champ, I told you so. And now you have the opportunity. I think I'm just kicking myself. Good for your buddy on on following Brooks because that number was way too long for a guy like that who, yeah, came off some injury woes. There was a good article on golf.com just talking about 
what he went through to get back into playing shape and just, you know, you don't really think about injuries so much for guys in golf, you know, tiger's back is, is a story obviously, and has been for a while, but for Brooks to get his knee right and back out there in a pretty star studded tournament, which is the exact opposite of what we're going to talk about for this weekend. But I enjoyed that tournament. Stricker was fun too. Like the guy finishes two shots off the lead and he's 60 to 70 yards behind every single guy on driving. They're showing the ball placements. If you're like, this dude's got to take a long iron in and Xander and Brooks are flipping gap wedges. But it just goes to show you that length doesn't mean everything on tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you're accurate and you're good enough with your approach and around the greens, and if you're as good of a putter as Steve Stricker is, forget about it. You can contend every single year. It doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, the guy didn't shoot worse than 69 all week, and Mm -hmm. he's out there you know, just doing his thing. And you're like, it's kind of, uh, it reminded me of like when Jim Furyk contends at tournaments, because when you see his name up there, you're just, you don't really blink because you're like, mom, I know he's capable of that. And that doesn't surprise me at all. Furyk's in the field this week. Is he going to have some stricker magic? Maybe. And there's also somebody that we can talk about, um, kind of in a similar mold to Kepka with, an injury history, but some course history as well. Maybe hasn't played well of late. Oh, we'll see what happens Ooh. there. But a little teaser for the for the boys. We're uh, we're so good at the at the uh, recap teasers where we start sprinkling in some of the the feelings we have for the the upcoming week. Yeah, but let's let's talk about Spieth again. I know he okay. didn't win, but like our buddies at No Laying Up said, I think this weekend and his performance should be celebrated more than anything. Because it was vintage Spieth. And he hasn't really contended in two plus years. He hasn't won in four years. And this made you realize that he's still got it. He's still only 27 years old. And he can win again and hopefully win a bunch more on tour. Because the way he moved the needle for golf fans was electric this weekend. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think that's the thing. He's 27 years old. He's yeah, he had a really rough stretch. And I and I was trying to think about because the the no lane up guys did a good job of talking about this and a number of other places had kind of mentioned it. It's just like there's something about Speeth, and I think the no lane up guys kind of framed it as this vulnerability that Speeth has and how he brings you in and like he played great. You what what'd you tell me? He was number one last week in approach. Number one in approach. He was dead last of the guys yeah. who made the cut in Strokes gained off the tee, but he was number one in approach, number 10 around the green, number 13 putting. He he had it all working except for his driver. And if he had done maybe a, a little bit more with his driver, he could have won this thing. But even so, even despite the driver inaccuracies, he had us feeling some things this weekend. And I think we I speak for for all golf fans when I say that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It was fun. Again, stacked leaderboard top to bottom. And um, Spieth has a chance this week. Deed, well, we'll talk about it in more detail. But uh, the tournament certainly looks good for a guy who's played well here in the past as we moved to Pebble Beach and is in a garbage field. Have I said that like three or four times? I, I think it's worth repeating how terrible this field is compared to how great it was last week. There are there are a bunch of withdrawals uh, to talk about in this field. But even without the withdrawals, the field was not good 
to, to start. And it makes handicapping the tournament a little bit more difficult. But yeah. as a golf fan and a viewer, it's just not, it doesn't set up for a tournament to be as exciting. Um, no. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope even if they're lower ranked players in the world, we get some drama this weekend and some exciting golf, but it doesn't set up that way, at least on paper. But do you know how you can always make a golf tournament with not a stacked field exciting? You can bet on it. That's what you can do. You can That's bet what on we're it. Here for. That's right. You can pick guys up and down the T sheet. You can find matchups. You can, you can always find a way to make it enjoyable. I'll I'll be the first to say that I missed the NBC. Uh, what do they call it? Sports bet Edge cast. Betcast. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see. I don't know Peacock, but I read a couple things about it. They need to figure that out. From what I read, it was more or less the guys on the broadcast picking if a guy was going to hit the fairway or hit the green. Like basically, no one cares about that stuff. Come on, that's not was, how people bet on golf. Yeah, what it was for the most part was different hole props as they followed groups around. And sure, that could be fun in the moment, and it gives a different component to betting uh, on golf, but. Ultimately, I think they need to button it up a little bit, experiment with some different things. Um, but, you know, it, it was fine. I just, it didn't really get me too excited. Um, it, you know, it didn't, uh, it didn't have me wanting to leave the general broadcast. I'll say that. No. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you took a look at it because I, I missed it and I, and I'm glad I did because from what I read, I have zero interest in going back to it until it has the way you can actually enjoy betting on golf, like you're more or less in at the roulette table with some of these in-hole props that you're flipping a coin for, hoping it turns out one way or the other. I think there's, and as we talk about every week, when you look at guys and you look at their numbers and you bring a little bit of that feel into the picks. Uh, and then you got four days of enjoyment. Like that's why we can have weeks like last week and still be excited about going through it again this week because that's the fun of it. That's why we we do this. And I don't think that that's the way that they should be introducing the idea of gambling on golf to the broader public. I think it, that just will fall on its face more often than not. I agree. Hopefully it gets tweaked a little bit and um, ultimately can, um, you know, pique uh, viewers' interest a little bit more than it has. But we'll see. You got to start somewhere, right? Yep. Yep. They're getting it going. Uh, what else did you want to talk about from waste management before we move into Pebble Beach this week? Uh, a guy who's not playing Pebble Beach this week that I wanted to touch on a little bit because I feel like he's being overlooked a lot is Carlos Ortiz. He is playing some awesome golf this year um, ever since he won at the Houston Open in November. Um, he finished T4 uh, at waste management and has really been in contention uh, going into the weekend or the fourth round in every single tournament since that Houston Open. A couple of blunders uh, on the weekend, notably in uh, Kapalua at the Century and at Farmers last week uh, or two weeks ago now. Um, but otherwise, he's playing really well. Shot a 64 on Sunday in Phoenix to finish T4. He's somebody I think people need to study up on he's seventh currently in fedex cup he's 54th in the world um 29 year old um you know he's 
when he's standing over putts, he, he looks confident. He looks the part, um, and he, he's a good golfer. So, uh, he's somebody that going forward, I'm going to at least, um, see if he fits the mold as somebody who would do well, uh, at specific tournaments. Yeah. It'd be fun to see him and Abe answer. I'm assuming that those two would be representing Mexico in the Olympics this year for golf. So I've, I mean, I like Abe. We, we talk about Abe answer a lot on this on this podcast, and uh, Ortiz is uh, giving him a run as as who is the top Mexican Mexican born player. So I agree, he's he's somebody to look out for. So mm-hmm. I hope our listeners take note. Carlos Ortiz might be a player here this year. Bookmark it, bookmark it for future tournaments. We got some big ones coming up. This one, not a big one. No, In a couple weeks. I mean, even Genesis is going to be a fun one. Most of the guys that you would expect to see will be at the Genesis in two weeks time, but we will not, we will not skimp over the Pebble beach pro-am. It's not a pro-am this year, but we are moving to Pebble beach and the winner on the European tour last week, Dustin Johnson goes out in Saudi Arabia, collects a massive check just to show up and then goes and adds to his bank account with a victory and your boy, you already made the Shoffley Finau comparison. Finau did a Finau thing this weekend, didn't he? Tied for the lead with three holes left, promptly bogeys 16 and 17, and finishes T2. You just don't uh, even need to you don't even need to read the whole book. Like you just no. you just know that how that last chapter is gonna end. And and there, there you go. You, what's the point of watching everything else when that's how it book a top 10 for Tony Fino? He'll he'll flirt with the lead and he will inevitably walk away without getting her number. The no laying up guys asked on their pod this week on their recap episode, who wins another tournament first, Finau or Spieth? Oh my God, Scott! I'm going to say Finau. I'm going right? to say Finau. Yeah, he's Finau's too, too good. good. Too good. Yeah, he's too good at golf to stay in this um, stereotype. But they, but they clearly both have mental like it's a mental block for both he and Spieth, and like. Yeah, Spieth played with the lead last week, but he also faded on Sunday. So I, I, it's for both of them. It's just weird. Yeah, I and you know to to be clear, I like Finau. I do think he's, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, not a winner. Um, he's a, a bit of a choke artist. <laughs> yes, he put it nicely, I guess. But uh, I still think uh, he might get it, get one before Spieth is uh officially back yeah well no female in the field this week but speed is in the field and we're moving to pebble beach so we're back over in california where we were a couple weeks ago for the farmers at tory pines and what is typically a three course rotation between pebble beach spyglass and monterey is just pebble beach and spyglass this year no ams I mean, like you mentioned at the top of the pod, they've had guys withdrawing left and right, DJ being one of them, uh, but they will still play this week with a full field, and we'll see a similar format to what we saw at Torrey Pines. Both play, or sorry, uh, both groups will play Pebble and Spyglass, and Spyglass actually typically plays a little bit more difficult. Depends on the win situation at Pebble, which I'll touch on in a moment, uh, but you're talking about Poana greens again, which we saw at Torrey Pines and we saw guys get eaten up from three and four feet. And you're also talking about very small greens, the smallest actually on the PGA tour at 3000 square feet on average, which I know means very little, but just, just know they are aiming for dimes out there on approach. And that will be important this week. 
The one note I'll make on the weather, I'll keep this very brief. I'm no meteorologist. Saturday and Sunday, potential for wind to pick up around 15 miles per hour. And pebble with wind is, is a tough, tough go right there on the coast. So we'll see how that plays into guys finishing and where they end up as the weekend rolls on. Yeah, these uh, both of these courses, Pebble Beach and Spyglass, are two of the shorter courses on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so driving uh, distance may not matter a ton, but accuracy is going to be important. And then, like you mentioned, approach to the green, GIR percentage, uh, those uh, accuracy metrics are going to be super important. And uh, I, for one, am particularly looking at at those stats as well as putting, uh, specifically on the Poana greens. Yeah, po- Poana greens, man. I just remember thinking, watching Shotlink at Torrey Pines and watching guys I bet on just miss three and four footers and just, ugh, it was the most frustrating thing. And it's probably going to happen again this week. So I'm going to mentally prepare myself best I can for those those bumpy Poana greens. But the field, like you talked about, the top with. Losing DJ, who was four to one, like four to one in a 156 person golf tournament is ridiculous. Like I just, I can't even fathom the idea of laying a bet behind DJ at four to one. But if there was a person that you would do four to one on, it's also probably DJ. So I mean, they're bookmakers on purpose. Like I mentioned last, uh, last episode, uh, with Rom being too short for me to play four to one is just kind of crazy to lay yeah. in a in a field no matter how good the golfer is yeah and so with dj withdrawing you've got three players in the top 20 of the official world golf rankings and then you've got jason day at 48 and zalatoris at 49 so you basically have five players out of the top 50 it's a weak field which means there's probably going to be a lot of volatility there's probably going to be people whose names you haven't heard a lot who will be mixing it up on the leaderboard over the weekend. And you've also had this as a tournament where winners have been that. You've had Nick Taylor, who won in 2020. Yeah, we said Phil in 2019. Ted Potter Jr. I don't think I didn't know who Ted Potter Jr. was when I was writing this down. It's like, who, what the heck is this guy doing winning tournaments on the PGA Tour? And then you had your boy, Jordan Spieth in 2017. He comes off waste management. Now he gets to play at a course he's won before. That's he's that's a big. big mo. He's got that's, the big mo. Yep. Big daddy mo is behind speed this week. So to your point on the field, and I don't mean any disrespect to Stuart Sink and Brant Snedeker, but yeah, the tell two me of, more. The two of them are in a featured group this week with Frankie oh Molinari. Gosh. Well, I'll watch it because well, I'll get to it in a minute, but Frankie Molinari is very interesting to me. I that's just pathetic that that's why I have to watch Molinari play with. But uh, hopefully, no bad vibes, man. Roll, you know, we always talk about groupings. Don't, ah, God, Stuart Sink and Co. Leave Molinari alone, please, this week for me. I'm begging you, <laughs> begging you. Um, let me really quick touch on Mark already already kind of hit it on the head with approach and putting on Poana greens. Um, I'm looking at guys this week with hot hands. I'm not focused on any course comparisons. There's enough data out there of guys who have played Pebble. We saw it in 2019 for the U.S. Open. I'm just looking for guys who are coming and playing really well. Uh, and I also believe that the past winners, if you look back since 2010, each one of the past winners has placed 21st or better in a previous showing. So it's not like these guys come from the rafters. I think you, you kind of have to know your way around Pebble a little bit. And obviously in past years, they've had other courses mixed in there. So it, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Um 
but as is most cases, hit your irons pure, make your putts, and I'll maybe sprinkle in a little bit of the Poana putting here, uh, considering what I saw at Tory from guys getting eaten up. But I think this week it's mostly a hot hand play for me, and uh, I don't really have any much else in terms of like setting the stage for this marker. Are you missing anything before we get into picks? No, I don't think so. I mean, we mentioned what we're looking for, some of the players that might be on our radar. Do we want to get into our um, inside the leather picks? Yeah, and uh, like we said at the top, wasn't a fantastic week at Waste Management, but I believe I lost the fewest units last week. So is you it did. my tee box? Yeah, I guess one of those loser winner type I was of deals. Gonna, I was going to say best of the worst, which is right. not really what you want. One last like, week with a double bogey. Yeah, exactly. And you came off with a snowman. So I guess I'm I guess I'm doing a little bit better here. Um, yeah, go ahead. You you go first. Wow, I feel the honor. The honor of stepping up to the tee after a week like last week. Thank God for Sung Jay's charge on Sunday just to just to get me over the hump of uh, who's going to be last, me or Mark. So this week. I feel pretty good about these inside the leather picks and a couple guys that we'll talk about. I think both of us have some eyes on this, but I'm going to start with a matchup play. It's treated me well. Uh, one on Russell Henley last week, beating Siwoo Kim and I'm back on the uh, fade Siwoo Kim bandwagon. And not that Siwoo Kim is playing bad. He's actually played quite well since the start of 2021, but Molinari's played better. And I'm excited about Molinari this week. And we'll touch, I'll touch on it more later, but I really like Molinari coming in this week after playing. He hadn't really played much in 2019 and comes into 2020 books two top or sorry, comes into 2021 books, two top tens and played at the U S open here at pebble in 2019 and had a 16th. Uh, Maybe there's some comfort level here with Molinari. And I think against a guy like Siwoo, who is so much a course fit guy, I'm going to ride Molinari minus one Oh six for a unit, uh, 1.06 units here, just to confirm. So I'm, you know, getting that full one unit when, when Molinari, uh, takes care of Siwoo. I'm going to stay with that, um, with that same arena and, uh, I can still win my bet and you can still win yours, but I'm actually going to play Siwoo this week, uh, as the top Asian at plus 120. Um, Siwoo playing, uh, decent, his, uh, two tournaments since his, uh, Amex win have been cut and T50. Um, so that's not, uh, particularly great, but, um, the competition for top Asian CT pan, um, Sung Kang, Afi Barnrat, you know, Kodaira, there's not a whole, uh, not a whole bunch of, of great golfers on that list that are playing this week. And I think Siwoo um, is playing well enough um, lately um, with his statistics. I mean, of the, the people in the field in his last 16 rounds, he's third in strokes gained tee to green, fourth in strokes gained approach, um, 12th in strokes gained around the green. So he's still got it. The results just haven't been there the last two weeks. But uh, as a, a winner in California a few weeks ago, I like his chances to beat the um, competitors in the Asian category uh, on DraftKings. So uh, plus 120, Siwoo Kim, top Asian for a unit uh, is my first inside the leather pick. I wonder what the – because with DJ was drawing, you had – 
KH Lee withdrawing from after a pretty solid showing last week with a T2. I wish I had seen what the top Asian odds were when KH was still in the field, but um, God, Siwoo is just a roller coaster, man. He's traded cuts here for top 35s. I mean, hey, he was top four, he was fourth in 2019, but yeah, I just, I'm not hopping on that roller coaster. And I like Molinari. I think Siwoo gets some love because he won the tournament, he won Amex, right? I just think there's some recency bias with Siwoo. I mean, you could make the argument that I've got recency bias with Molinari, but I like the form over the last two tournaments for Molinari. There, I mean, you could certainly be right, um, and and I hope we both win our bets. It's whether, true. We don't have to both, you know. Right. One person or. doesn't have to be wrong in this right. in this particular scenario. I just think with particularly with the competition um, from the Asian golfers this week, Siwoo is far and away the best of the bunch. So yeah. I'll take his win three weeks ago and his um, – his shot making skills and his accuracy over all the other guys. Love it. Why don't you take one more and inside the leather? We'll sure. Snake, we'll snake draft today. I'm going to go back to Will Zalatoris. Um, Willie. The, yeah. The, the, uh, the darling of the PGA tour lately uh, didn't quite come through with my top 10 last week or the win, obviously, but uh, he was in contention, uh, finished uh, two strokes outside the, the top 10. He was uh, looking really good after a, a strong uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, but uh, even without that result, um, fourth lowest odds in the field, I still think he might be a little undervalued at 18 to one in his last 16 rounds of those in the field. He ranks first in strokes gained T to green first in approach 22nd around the green and 44th in putting, which you can hold your own, especially given his, um, acumen uh, with his iron play. So, so, you know, we mentioned smaller greens at Pebble. If he can be precise with his irons like he has been on tour, then I like Will Zalatoris to compete. And if I'm getting plus 100 for a top 20, I'm going to put two units on that all day. Will, I when I was going through the notes, I just can't believe how well he's played on courses that he hasn't played competitive rounds on before. Like he didn't have any history at TPC Scottsdale last week. Guy goes out, plays pretty well, crushed us on his top 10. Man, he was so close. No business missing that that placement. We had that. Yeah, but I think it speaks to how good of a golfer he is that yeah. he could just walk into a course cold and crush it. So uh, well, he's going to win on tour before too long. And- yeah. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the sidelines. Uh, That's true. When, when it happens. Sure. So yeah. I'll start with a top 20 and uh, might have a little bit something later too. I mean, this is, this is so disrespectful to all the players in the field, but I, I'll say it, whatever. Why not? I already went down this path. I might as well commit to it. This is like a corn fairy field for, for Zalatoris. Like it's not, and it's he not that hot. The, and yeah. he dominated the corn fairy tour. Exactly. So Exactly. Well, I'm sitting this one out on Zalatoris, but I, I hear you on the reasons, especially with DJ withdrawing, and it's that feels pretty good. Uh, even or better money on a top 20 for Zalatoris, considering his form. Yeah, I see it. Uh, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Zalatoris is on a tear, and I said hot hand. This is a hot data play. This isn't a hot hand so much, because I'm taking Jason Day top 10. I'm taking Jason Day at plus 225 for a unit for that top 10. And here we go with the system. There aren't that many guys that apply this week for the system. Yeah, Jason Day, Joel Damon, and Kelly Craft. Not a murderer's row by any stretch, 
But the thing with Jason Day that stuck out to me is his strokes gained not only on approach, but barely eked out the positives on off the tee. He was just a terrible putter last week, and that's not Jason Day. And he's played very well at Pebble in the past, so I think he can get around these greens fine, and I expect his putter to turn. He's outside the top 115 right now in strokes gained putting, but in previous years, he'd never been worse than 62nd. So something has to give here, and I think that this kind of course is the perfect mix for Jason Day to figure it out. Again, not a hot hand in terms of his placement, but the data shows that maybe over his two rounds at Waste Management, if the irons are in play, we know the putter can flip. I'm going to take Jason Day on a flyer. I mean, it doesn't feel like this should be an inside the leather pick, but the odds require it to be. So I'll put it here. Jason Day, top 10 at 225. Okay. All right. Give me another one. All right, I'll go back to the placement well, and I'm going to take Henrik Norlander. Actually, no. Well, I already said his name. Okay, I was going to to follow one Aussie to another. Spoiler alert. But I'll take Norlander here, top 20 at plus 175. Solid course experience here, four showings, and he's improved each year, finished with a, a placement of 25th in last year's. And he's riding a hot hand, a true hot hand in terms of tournament performance He's got three straight top 22s with a T2 at Farmers. Remember, Farmers played at Torrey Pines South and North with the Poana Greens. Didn't seem to confuse him there. I expect that he'll be able to figure it out here. And if you look at a subset of the last 24 rounds, of all the players in this field, Norlander is sixth amongst the field in approach, strokes gained approach. And my my thinking here is that Poana Greens didn't confuse him at Torrey. He's played well on approach. He's also got a lot of confidence for a young guy. So I like Norlander kind of the same way you like Zalatoris. I just, I don't see 20 guys in this field better than the way Norlander's playing right now. And if you're going to give me plus 175, I will gladly take that from you. Yeah, I like Norlander. He's a good golfer. Uh, I think he's a little bit under the radar as well, uh, kind of like a Carlos Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, I, I like that pick too. I'm not going to tell you uh, exactly. He was somebody I was considering ultimately didn't make my card. Um, somebody who did make my card, Max Homa again. We uh, love some Max Homa. This podcast. Max Homa. Yeah. And uh, Max I didn't podcast. start out. I didn't start out as a Max Homa guy last year, but uh, he's playing really well. Great personality that I love rooting for. Uh, Cali kid usually plays well in California. Um, as noted before on walk it in, um, T 14 last year, T 10, the year before that, um, he, uh, plays well in California. Like I said, with, uh, three top 25s in his last four events, uh, including, um, the two at, uh, farmers and Amex this uh, calendar year. Um, you know, so I, I think for him to be in contention is, uh, Definitely feasible. I like him to be top 20. It's plus 164 on DraftKings. Um, So I'll be on that. I don't think uh, I'm ready to quite go uh, to top 10 or or winner uh, material for Homa yet, but to be top 20, um, I'll put a unit on that at plus 164. Yeah, his Sundays haven't been winner material of late. I mean, at Amex, same thing at Torrey, not so hot at Ways Management. I mean, because we, we had placements on him last week, and I'm watching him on ShotLink. Because again, if I want to watch the broadcast, I'm sure as heck not going to see any of these guys, which drives me nuts. Um, but yeah, just missed some short putts last week. Then on Sunday, that felt like it just 
kind of crushed any sense of momentum. Like you said, Big Mo was on speed side, not so much on Homa. One thing I'll add, I just looked this up. I was curious about this. Again, short course, like Mark talked about at the top. Where do you think Max Homa ranks in the PGA this year on approaches in terms of proximity from 50 to 125 yards? Where do you think he ranks? Well, I know just from doing my research that he has been better of late. Mm-hmm. But I would guess somewhere in the 50 to 75 ranking for the season. Better better than you actually think. 37th in terms okay. of wedge play, 50 to 125 yards. So that- and he's been better. Um, you know, if if you're just looking at um at the stats, um in his last, I believe, 12 rounds played, he's number nine in this field in yep. strokes and approach. So, you know, he's he's playing better than he was at the start of the season. And I like that momentum, especially in a place he's comfortable. Yep. Yeah. So I spoiled this. I'm going to take my my last uh, inside the leather pick here. I touched on it because I wanted to just actually get better at, the, you know, podcasting segues. I kind of missed that opportunity when I went from day to a Swedish player. I should have gone from an Australian to another Australian and that's Cameron Davis. I'm going to take the six foot four young gun out of Australia this week. And I'm going to take Cam Davis for a top 20 at plus 164 for a unit. Uh, the big reason around Cameron Davis is really his form of late. He's had experience here. Nothing that blows you away. He made the cut both times. Uh, but ag- amongst the field, if you look at Jan first, He's third in strokes gained T to green. He's positive in all three of the four categories, which would make sense, right? Approach, uh, off the tee, and around the greens. Not as great putting, but he had a rough stretch in 2020 coming out of the restart and then found some good form. Um, and I think that good form's carried over because he's played well so far this year. If I look back on his performance, he had a third at the American Express. 31 at Sony and 32 at farmers again in a field like this, like the farmer's field was tougher. Amex was tougher. Sony was probably tougher. Like I, I just think Cam Davis is coming in with confidence and he's the only bomber that I have on my sheet this week, but I like his chances top 20 at uh, plus one sixty four. I can't stay quiet anymore, Jeff. I've got a fever and the only oh prescription is more speeth. Jordan, I'm on it. Jordan Spieth, he's got me a prisoner of the moment, and oh, I don't man. care who knows it. You're locked up. He's not all the way back, but he's on his way back. And I've got a couple of inside the leather picks with Spieth that I think have a good chance of hitting, uh, if I'm reading it correctly. Um, so my two picks on Spieth this week. Uh, top 10 plus 275. I think uh, with Pebble Beach uh, being a shorter course, both of them are, are shorter, but um, I, I feel like maybe he'll be able to keep his driver in the bag a little bit more than he did in Phoenix, which will take out some of the uh, inconsistencies he, uh, he had there. And he'll be able to rely on his irons and his wedges, which as we said, he was first in the field in Phoenix uh, doing that. So if he's got his... Um, approach down and he's putting the way he's capable of putting i think top 10 is uh definitely within striking distance for him and hopefully maybe another exciting weekend uh with spieth in the mix and then 
so that's going to be one unit, uh, top 10 plus 275. And then my second speed play is a prop offered by DraftKings, hopefully by some other books as well. Uh, Spieth to be the top pass champion at plus 175 for a unit there. Uh, his competition in the pass champion category, Phil Mickelson, Nick Taylor, Brant Snedeker, Ted Potter, Vaughn Taylor, Jimmy Walker, DA Points, and Matt Gogol. You could have stopped at Ted Potter. You didn't even need to read the rest of those guys. So I don't, I don't care who those guys are. They're not Jordan Spieth. Maybe Phil comes out of nowhere and and has a good week and and beats Spieth, or maybe Nick Taylor or Snedeker could, um, especially given the odds. You know, they're not too far away from Spieth. But if I'm getting almost uh, two times my money coming off the weekend he just had in Phoenix, I love it. Give me uh, give me Spieth to be the top pass champion and hopefully uh, get back some magic again this week. I guess maybe you could say Nick Taylor and Brant Seneca or who would worry you. And of course it's Phil, but Phil's played terrible lately. Like if you win that, if you win that bet with Spieth placing like 44th or something, because half this other field, those guys <laughs> missed the cut would not shock me one bit. No, one me, bit. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me either. Honestly, I'm hoping that Spieth gets inside the top 10, but I could definitely see a scenario where he's finishing, you know, somewhere around 40th. So I still might win that bet. I'm just going to be sitting here just like crossing these guys off this as they go through the day. Like, oh, DA points. You know, he's eight over through. I think, 18. yeah, I think I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to set up a, a separate browser just to favorite the past champions and just keep an eye on that leaderboard on like <laughs> a separate browser. Just yes. like I want to tune in on like Friday morning and see how Matt Gogol and DA points are doing. Yes. Good call. Good call. <laughs> and in no other world would you care, but that's a fantastic prop because now you care about guys who you're probably going to find at the very bottom of the leaderboard throughout the entire weekend. So, And that's another thing, like as, as our listeners are filling out their cards each week, like you don't just have to be betting on winners. Those, right. those are obviously hard enough to hit anyway, yep. but top 10s, top 20s, you know, you can do the, those are so fun. And, and Jeff and I, we do that a lot, but there are so many props out there. If, if you've got the right book and, and books that offer different types of things, you know, nationality props and past champions and make or miss the cut, those sort of things. So, I mean, there are so many things you can do as a better on golf. It, it makes a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys are exploring your options. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. What a, what a great prop. Uh, let's, let's move the double breaker. I'll kick it off because I've got one more than you. I'm actually going to lump in a couple of my picks in Double Breaker to, to kind of hit them all at once. But let me talk about the one that stands out to me uh, in terms of difference between the bets in my Double Breaker segment. And that's Kevin Streelman booking a top 10 finish at 4-1. to one. And I think this is kind of disrespectful to Streelman at 4-1 to one for a top 10 because Streelman at 42 years old is not a guy who is going to compete in a lot of tournaments. And maybe that's what they're, you know, the books are creating the lines given given that. But this guy, when it comes to this experience, and when you talk about guys at Streelman's sort of position within the tour, right? You're looking for places where they really over-index, and Streelman is your course experience guy. Like if there's if you're talking about Pebble Beach and the AT&T Pro Am, that's where Streelman falls. He's only been cut once in his last 10 showings, and he's got four top tens, three in a row at AT&T. And I hadn't looked back on 
2020, 2019, 2018 in terms of what the field looked like, but I would bet a lot of money. It wasn't, it was, it was stronger than what it is this year. He's gained putting at this tournament in all three of the last, uh, last three years on Poana and played solid last week. T22 at waste management, uh, been solid T to green, not a fantastic putter lost about half a stroke in putting, but I think waste management and the confidence in a field like that carried over to a place, you know, so well, and you've played so well at for a long time makes a top 10 at four to one really enticing. If I could move this one up into inside the leather, I would, uh, but based on how we break out the odds, I can't, this one feels really good to me this week. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on this play. I think it's the only play that you and I both share on the card this week. Um, we mentioned his, uh, good play at this specific tournament. Um, a respectable, uh, I believe 22nd in Phoenix of the people of the golfers in this field at pebble. Uh, he ranks 12th in strokes gained approach, um, 22nd in T to green. He's not a great putter, but as Jeff mentioned is a much better putter on Poana. Um, as he, uh, actually gained strokes on this surface compared to other stroke, uh, other surfaces. So, uh, got that going for us. And, um, you know, I think for him to be inside the top 10 is, is certainly within reach for us. He, he's a good golfer and plays well here. And, uh, he's got the, the stats and recent form to back it up. Yeah. Well, since we're both on him, let's play another game of, of guess the number. What do you think he ranks in 2021 on approach from 50 to 125 yards? Kevin Streeter. Uh, given his, uh, given his proclivity for approach, I would say he's inside the top 30. You would be correct. 19th. Okay. In terms of approach proximity from 50 to 125 yards. Again, same question as before short course. I think that's probably why Streeter's played so well here for so long. Like you don't have to worry so much about Poana if you're putting from inside 10 feet every time. So my first, uh, or I guess my second double breaker, my first solo double breaker, uh, since I'm on Strelman with Jeff, is going to be uh, Zalatoris to win. Oh. I've got a unit on that at 18 to 1. I already uh, highlighted why I love him this mu- uh, so much. Um, he just, he's doing everything great. Um, and if he can keep his tee to green and his approach game up, then hopefully he's going to um be right there you know in in the last group or one of the last groups on sunday so um like i said i don't want to be on the sidelines when he finally wins and uh hoping maybe it comes this week 18 to 1 love it i'm gonna take your winner baton and i'm gonna encapsulate all three which is a lot for me in terms of winner picks but this week there's just so much possibility in in terms of volatility from guys in the 20s, 30s, and then you got the 70s to one. And I've got two in that area. My first, my longest long shot is Matthew Neesmith at 75 to one. And I'm going to put a half unit on that. He played well here last year. He was 11th in his only appearance. And of the field in this tournament, last 24 rounds, he's second amongst the field in approach. He is volatile, very volatile. There's no doubt that Matthew Neesmith could is easily miss the cut than anything else this weekend, but he played well last week. He was T7 at waste management. Amongst yeah. the Kepka, Shoffley, uh, Spieth, and he was like, 
you know, it, Matthew Neesmith wasn't getting a whole lot of love. It was a little disappointing. He followed up his opening round 63 with the 71. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like you said, he's he's a good player. He's just got to put it all together at one time. Yep, exactly. And in this field, I think he can do it. So I'm going to take him for a half unit at 75 to one. The other guy who I'm going to take at a half unit is Harold Varner the third uh, to win at 70 to one for a half unit. Varner is not necessarily the course experience guy. One appearance here in cut. And if you look at another place of Poana Greens, which is Troy Pines, he's one for six there when it comes to cuts. So not entirely fantastic when you're looking at the Poana sample size, but he does have one card in his hot hand deck. And that was a T13 last week, positive in all strokes game data, top five on approach. It's really the fact that he hasn't had history here that that worries me, but Varner's always been a good ball striker. I mean, we say it all the time, ball striker this, ball striker that, and that's Varner from what he did last week. I think there's a decent chance he carries it over. And if you're going to give me 70 to one for a guy who strikes the ball well, I'll take that instead of banking it on the volatility of a putter. So I got those two. I got one more winner pick this week. I've already touched on this individual on his matchup with Cebu Kim, but I'm taking Francisco Molinari 22 to one. It's too bad. I didn't get into this before DJ withdrew because he was 32 to one or 33 to one before that happened. Uh, shorter odds, but makes sense without DJ in the field. And I've already touched on why I like Molinari this week and why I like him to not only beat Siwoo, but I like him to be in the mix uh, come Sunday. My last double breaker pick um, is a top 20. I'm going with Doug Gim, top 20 for uh, a unit. That's uh, at three to one odds. Uh, quietly putting together a real solid season. Um, made seven cuts in nine events so far this year. He's got five top 25s, uh, T5 at the Amex a few weeks ago. He's 40th this season in strokes gained T to green, 25th in approach, and he's a much better putter on Poana. He gains more than a half a stroke per round on the Poa greens versus other surfaces. So if he can uh, put it all together uh, down at Pebble, uh, I love the young Doug Gim to keep his steady play rolling into a, uh, a top 20 here for three to one. I love Pat Mayo's podcast when he talks about the Gim Reaper. It's just such a fantastic nickname for Doug Gim because he's this diminutive five foot seven, maybe, maybe five seven. Um, yeah, a good golfer out of Texas. Uh, yeah, man, you got some Texas boys this week. Speed. I Dougie know. Gim? Hook them. Okay, Hook cool. Hook them. That's cool, right? So cool. Uh, let me ask you we didn't touch on these guys, but. Uh, we talked a little bit about the European tour on this podcast, as I've uh, called it, the, the Euro tour, the, the Euro tour, Euro tour. <laughs> there we go. Something like that. But we got Paul Casey and Berger at 14 to one. If you had to pick, which one would you take this week? Probably Berger. Um, I, you know, I, this is tough. I'm not on either one of them, obviously. Right, neither but am I. I think Berger is... Um, He's a better golfer. Um, he, uh, you know, it, it's more of a, a feel thing. I think Paul Casey's been traveling a bunch uh, on the yeah, Euro Tour, yep. uh, which which might set him back a little bit. I also back uh, back of my mind is hit, uh, Casey's 
choke job to Phil two years ago where he was up three going into the final round and then lost by three to Phil. So uh, that's hard for me to swallow. Um, So I think, uh, you know, maybe mostly a field play, but I would pick Berger over Casey. Mm -hmm. I would say Casey. I'm surprised you said Berger, but maybe I'm just the scorned ex-lover after picking Berger last week and him missing the cut with a abysmal finish kind of like Cameron champ. I just, ah, man, I got to shake those things. Like that doesn't, I can't let that infiltrate, but I mean, Casey was a winner. Like you said, I think he, and he's played well here in the past. He went from like a one and done perspective. Paul Casey makes a lot of sense. If you're in a one and done league, he he's a guy to look at this week. Have you seen Ted Lasso on Apple TV yet? I started it, but I'm, I'm behind. So don't spoil anything for me. I won't, but he's got a, a saying. He asks players, what uh which animal has the shortest memory and the answer is a goldfish so maybe you just need to be a goldfish in these situations and don't worry about what burger did to you last week if you like burger go ahead and play the burger i'm gonna i'm gonna skip the burger i'm gonna go with the chicken this week i'm gonna take paul casey i'm gonna take paul casey if if i was advice for the future be a goldfish there we go apt advice from my and also everyone should watch ted lasso on apple tv i it's a phenomenal show if you guys haven't seen it one of my favorite shows of all time ted lasso is one of the greatest characters in tv history in my opinion wow jason sudeikis does an excellent job they're nominated for many awards coming up here this season and uh you know a little pop culture but i love i love ted lasso I love it. Well, let's let's recap these picks, get the listeners out of here so they can go enjoy the uh, the star-studded field at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend. But I'll recap Inside the Leather, and I'll kick it to Mark for Double Breaker. I, I on the Inside segment, have Molinari over Siwoo Kim for one unit. I've got Jason Day top 10 at plus 225 for one unit. I've got another Australian, Cam Davis, top 20, plus 164 for a unit. Then I've got Henrik Norlander, the Swede, top 20, plus 175. Mark's got Zalatoris for two units on a top 20 at even odds. Max Homa, top 20, 164 for a unit. And then he's got some speed action. He's got Jordan, top 10, plus 275 for a unit. And top pass champ. I can't wait to watch that this weekend. That is going to be so fun uh, at plus 175 for a unit. And then he's got Si Wu as the top Asian we differ on Siwoo this week, but we can both still win our bets. That's right. And our double breaker picks this week, Jeff and I are both on Kevin Streelman, top 10 uh, at 4-1 to one for a unit. Uh, Jeff also has Francesco Molinari uh, to win at 22-1 to one for a unit. Harold Varner III to win at 70-1. to one. And Matt Neesmith uh, at 75-1, to one. both of those for half a unit. I've got Zalatoris to win at 18 to 1 for a full unit and Doug Gim top 20 at 3 to 1 for a unit. A little shorter card for both of us this week in terms of total units. Should be an interesting tournament. Before we wrap, Mark, we have to shout out my three little brothers, my girlfriend and your wife, uh, wife for setting us up with these fantastic. You can't see them, right? Like we're recording on video, you get to see audio. Uh, bad radio. Bad radio, but these shirts, man, these these Q-zips with the logo, we both had to rep it for the podcast tonight. We just yeah. we just picked them up. 
Shout out to our families. We love you guys. Awesome. Yes, thank idea. you for the support. This is fantastic. And uh, we hope everyone has a great weekend this weekend with the, the AT&T. It's, it's golf, man. There's, there's no Super Bowl. There's no football. It's golf season. We're in it. Enjoy it this weekend. And we will see you next week for the Genesis Open here on the Walk It In Podcast. <laughs>